Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Guys, we're going to continue our series, and I really love this series that we started last week, and it's behind the scenes. So I want to take us behind the scenes and to begin to see what the church is like. You said, well, why would you do this series? Because sometimes what we see on the outside isn't what's happening on the inside. And so I want to begin to take us behind the scenes and show us what the church is. Now, before we start, I want you to know for sure the church is not a building. And we learned that in this last year. And it's not an organization. It's not just pastors or staff member. We are the church. It means all of us. And I used to like what my J used to say when he was about three and a half, he goes, Daddy, we is the church. We is the church. And when we begin to think about the church, I want you to begin to think about our relationship and our role to four different areas in our culture, in our world. I want you to come behind the scene. I want you to begin to see our first role is we go up and it's our relationship with God and we worship God. That's why it's not just music. Worship is not just singing along with the worship team. It is a way of life. We worship God. We honor God. It's our only right response to God. Then you begin to see today, we're going to begin to cover that we conquer. We go down. And when it comes to the devil, we conquer. And I'm going to give you a preview of where we're going today. You and I were created to conquer. Let's say it another way. We were created to be victorious. God never created human beings to live defeated lives, but to conquer. Are you with me. And not only were we created to conquer, we were redeemed to become more than a conqueror. So our first relationship, number one, as a church, as a people together, is to worship God. Number two, if you see this, it's to go down and we conquer. Next week, we're going to go, it is to reach the world. And we believe that the church is here, that we reach every family, every person, every language, every individual for Jesus Christ. We're not just here to edify one another. We're here to reach our world. So say with me, say worship, conquer, reach, and then we are here to build you up and build one another up to edify one another. But today we're going to begin to talk about conquering. And again, I want you to think about this. God never created you and I to be defeated. And if I am defeated, and there are some areas, can you believe it? I'm 61. And when Jesus found me at the age of 20, when I thought of 61, uh, I thought I would have every area of my life conquered. Can I tell you today, I, I still have areas of my life that I want to win. But it's not because Jesus didn't give us the victory. I need to live in that reality of victory. Are you with me? And so today I want to give us a few concepts. And the first concept that I want to talk about is already not yet. I want to begin to talk about this concept already and not yet. I want to say that again, already and not yet. I want you to know this. Jesus conquered the devil on the cross. 
So why is there area of defeat in my life, in your life, in our life? Can I say it's an area where we allow the enemy to come in and have authority or to defeat us? Are you with me? It's a tension. We live in this tension. The already and the not yet. It's a tension between what is now. Say that with me. What is now? Let's say it again. And what will be this already not tension is throughout all the New Testament. I want you to go to Colossians with me. Go to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to begin to read verse 15. And this scripture really begins to show the already and not yet tension. The already and not yet tension. It says here in verse 15, it says, having disarmed, that's past tense, it's already happened, it's not going to happen, it's already happened, principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And so the word right there, triumphing, is a passive word. It's something that happened in our past already, but it's having present day ramifications not yet. Did you get that? So this scripture shows one of the greatest scriptures, the tension between the already and the not yet. I want to read it again. It says here, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So it is already, and it's not, uh, it's not yet. Now, I just want to make a clear statement. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for Jew to live a defeated life. Jesus Christ died on the cross that you and I and we as a church would live in victory. And I love what Sabrina is uh, saying, that we're going to walk in victory. I'm not just going to see victory. I am going to walk in victory. Now, I want you to know where this language that Paul got when he was writing to the uh, church in Colossae, it, he was a part of the great Roman Empire. And when they would go out and win a battle, please get this, they would not have a parade. Did you get that? I want to read it again. It says here, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. It would be a parade. But get this, it wasn't just any battle because you could win a battle, but you could still lose the war. It was a decisive battle that won the war. And not only winning the war, it's where thousands upon thousands upon thousands were defeated. And not only that, it's where the territory or the kingdom of Rome was expanded. And so what they would do, the great general of the Roman army would take the enemy's general and all high-ranking authorities, they would tie them up. Already they were defeated. Did you get that? They were already defeated. Then they would bring them back to Rome and they would parade them in front of the citizens of Rome. Why? To show the reality of their defeat. They were already conquered, but yet they were not yet executed. And so why would they do that? Because they wanted the citizens of Rome to participate in the execution to know that this victory was their victory and it would be better than the World Series champs or the uh, NFL Super Bowl champs. It's more than balloons and confetti. They're bringing them into Rome. The citizens are cheering. They're lighting incense. They're celebrating. Why? Because they have experienced a great victory and they will participate in the 
execution of the enemy. You see, the enemy was already defeated, but not yet taken out of the way. Are you with me? He was, that's why Paul uses this. He was already defeated. They were already defeated, but not yet executed. Now, when it comes to the enemy, I don't want to say the word execute because the enemy is a fallen angel. He, he is immortal. He will never be annihilated. Are you with me? But there will be a final judgment of Satan that Jesus has already conquered him, but we, the church, have a part, I would say it this way, the final judgment of Satan. We have a part to play in that, and that's why the church is never called to be a defeated church, but a conquering church that you and I live in a constant flow of victory. Amen. And you must know this, I want you to write this down, I want you to begin to think of this in your mind, in our minds, that Jesus Christ completely defeated the enemy, that thousands of principalities and powers were defeated, that Satan himself no longer has authority. And that great general in Rome, they put him in a chariot, they put a robe on him, they'd give him a scepter and a crown, and he would go through, why? Because he defeated the enemy and expanded the territory. Can I say right now, every time the church wins, we extend the kingdom of God in our lives, in our city, in our nation, in our world, in our generation. Can you say amen? And we say already, say not yet. Say it again, already and not yet. And I really do believe this. Now, I want us to do this. I want to show you that Jesus Christ conquered through the cross. And, and so Jesus went to the cross to redeem us. However, he went to the cross also to conquer Satan. I want you to get this. Jesus Christ, if you think of a cross, he did die to redeem us, to forgive us. Every sin I've ever committed is forgiven by Jesus Christ. But he not only went to the cross to forgive us, he went to the cross to conquer evil. Now, I want you to really begin to think with me. Jesus, the man, conquered Satan on the cross. Now, when I begin to say, and I want you to think about this, any area of your life or my life that's defeated, God didn't create you to be defeated. God created you and I to be champions. I know that may sound cheesy and a little bit like a motivational speaker, but God created humanity to conquer. And I want to begin to tell you this. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, Verse 26 to 27, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So he created male and female in the image of God. Are you with me? And he gave them dominion over all of the earth. That meant that they would be ruling over all the earth. And in the Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he uses two words. He said, subdue and take dominion. And the word subdue literally means to conquer through warfare. Wait a minute. There wasn't an enemy. Was there in the garden? Adam and Eve had not disobeyed, but God created man. You got to get this. When you and I allow defeat in our life, we're going against our creation because God created you and I to conquer through warfare. And warfare literally means there's sometimes going to be a resistance. If you being successful, you being victorious, us conquering just came without any resistance, then everyone could conquer immediately. But there is going to be some resistance. But God said you conquer through warfare and then you will have dominion. 
we conquer, then we have dominion. We subdue, I should say, then we have uh, a dominion. Now get this, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God and they gave their authority to Satan. And he began to defeat and conquer human beings. But in, the, in that moment, God already had a plan and he said, you know what? My son will become a human being. Jesus Christ, please get this, defeated Satan on the cross, not as the son of God, but as the son of man. Why? He was the only human being that ever lived a perfect life. Now wait, just get this. Don't you know that God could have wiped out the devil instantly? God could have annihilated him and he still could do that. So why did God put Satan and human beings on the same planet? Why didn't he put the devil on Mars? Why didn't he put him on the sun and let him burn forever? Come on. Why would he put him on earth with human beings? Not for the devil to chase and defeat human beings, but that Adam and Eve and you and I can conquer the devil and defeat the devil. Come on. And Satan knew that only a human being could take his authority away. And that's why Jesus Christ had to become a man. He's the only perfect human being. Not only did he forgive our sins and pay for our sins, but he defeated Satan thoroughly and completely on the cross because he's the only one who ever fully obeyed God. Satan no longer has authority over the earth, over us, only if we allow him to. Now, let me just say this. When you begin to think about someone winning, whether it's a war, whether it's a sports team, usually it's through strategy, it's through uh, 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 physical strength or exerting effort. That is not how it works in the kingdom of God. I want you to think about this. You may want to write this down. In the kingdom of God, there is a paradox. And it, it goes against everything that we believe. Let me just show you. For example, my John, when he was about two years old, he had the deepest voice. He was in the two-year-old class. How many of you great? city kids are open and, and all the parents said amen hallelujah you have won me and I kid you not John was playing with the big Tonka truck a yellow metal Tonka truck this little wiry kid came and took the truck from John he goes my truck and John went and got it. he goes no mine and then all of a sudden the wiry kid took it again my truck John goes mine and the kid tried to take it away John lifts up the Tonka truck hits the kid over the head he goes mine the kid ran in the corner, never took that truck again. Can I tell you, that's usually how we think of conquering, that we have to uh, one-up someone. We have to exert our own strength. Can I say this thing called conquering and warfare? It will not be done by human uh, wisdom and strength and intelligence. It is done. Jesus Christ, one, defeated the devil by dying on a cross. And in the same way, we win by yielding and surrendering, not by fighting and clawing our way to the top. Are you with me? And so we conquer through the cross. Say that with me. We Say it again. We And we conquer also through the church. I want you to go with me to uh, these scriptures. I want you to begin to read this with me. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. And it's verse 14. And I love this. It's towards the back of your Bible. It says in verse 14, it says, Inasmuch... Then his children have partaken of flesh and blood. That means we're human beings. He himself, Jesus Christ, likewise shared 
in the same, how? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Did you get that? Not through fighting, not through standing up, not through arm wrestling, but that through death he would destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. So you must know that Christ has already destroyed the enemy through death. And now he wants to begin to conquer through the church. How do we begin to use our authority? How do we use our authority? And once again, I want to ask you a question. I'm asking myself a question. If Jesus completely defeated the devil, why am I still defeated in the areas of my life? Only areas that I have not surrendered to Jesus Christ or areas of defeat in my life. And it's not that God has not defeated him. It's that I have not surrendered. You see, in the kingdom of God, I'm not fighting to get victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. And what Sabrina's saying today, I don't want to just see the victory of Jesus Christ. I want to walk in the victory of Jesus Christ every day of my life and not just on Sunday not just during a service but on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Friday night Saturday morning I want to live in victory can you say amen I want you to uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 10 and I want you to write down two words power and authority. I want you to begin to think about those two words. Power and authority. Now, to conquer someone, you need power. But I think what we need today is more than power. We have power in the name of Jesus. We have power in the Word of God. But we need authority. And I'm sensing in the United States of America, where we're at right now, especially the church in the United States, we need more than power. We need authority to know that we have conquered the enemy. Look at Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 1. And I love this. And it says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, and God's doing that right now, the church is the called out ones, he gave them power. I'm going to say it again. He gave them power. I'm going to say that again. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So God has given us power. Go to one of my favorite scriptures, which I have in my mind. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's verse 19. I want to begin to read this to you in, for us. And it says here in Luke 10, Verse 19, it says, behold, I give you authority. I want to stop right there. He's not only given us power, I have given you, not just the pastor, not just the team. God didn't give this building authority. God didn't give an organization authority. God has given you and I authority, not just power, but authority. Get this, oh, to trample on serpents and scorpions, that's just a terminology or a symbol of the enemy over all over all, over all, not half, not a little, not part, but over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you or with, are you with me? So he's not only given us power, but he's given us authority. Years ago, I had a boss that did not recognize or appreciate or perceive my gift matrix. I was really anointed, I was gifted, but they did not see that. And, and so I literally, in prayer, out loud, I was at work and I, I didn't shout, I said, Lord, they, they just have a wrong perspective of me. And the Lord said, Jude, he said, no one could hinder your gift matrix but you. 
And so what did I do? Anytime the Lord tries to put it right back on me, my next step, usually I blame it on Becky or someone else. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work, I blame it on the devil. You know, the devil did it. How many of you ever done that? It's the devil trying to ruin my anointing. He doesn't have a right perspective. And God impressed on my mind and heart. He said, Jude, the day I created Lucifer, an angel, and he fell a fallen angel, I anointed him. He's still anointed and powerful today. His anointing and power is dark. It's twisted. It's destructive. Let me just stop right here. The devil is not just negative or caustic energy or weird karma. He is a real, powerful, spiritual being. Are you with me? Let me just say one other thing. The devil does not live in hell. A lot of people think, oh, Satan's living in hell. No, he's not. The devil right now goes throughout this clean, green planet seeking human beings to defeat to destroy and to conquer. But remember, he was not put on this earth to chase us around. We were put on this earth to chase him around, to conquer him, to defeat him, and to punish him. Are you with me? And can I say, it's not like the Roman general who they, Rome would execute the enemy. He's not going to be annihilated. But you trust me, my friend, that he is being judged right now. And every time you and I get victory in that area of our life, we judge the devil. Are you with me? So let's go back to the story. Lord, it's my boss. And then the Lord said, no, no one could uh, put your anointing down but you. And I said, well, it's the devil. He said, no, he has his own. It's dark, it's twisted, it's evil, it's destructive. He said, get this, get this. It'll change your life forever. If you get it, you'll be changed forever. He said, Jude, Satan is not looking for your anointing. He has his own. He said, he is looking for your authority to use his anointing. And every time you yield the authority that I've given you, all authority has been given unto me. He said, that's what he's looking. He says, the reason where there is a reality of evil in your life, in the nation, sometimes in the church, is because people open the door or yield their authority to the enemy. He has no legal right in any area of your mind, in culture, or this nation. Come on. Can you say amen? I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. This is a great scripture. And again, the church was not only created, our role to God is to worship, but please get this, our role to the enemy is to conquer him. And so go to Acts chapter 2, and I love this, verses 34 and 35. It says, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, the Lord, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So right now, Jesus Christ, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. He rules over all the nations. He's praying for you and I. He's praying for the church. He's praying, number one, that we get a right perspective, that we worship God, but also that we see that we have complete victory over the enemy. Until what? Till the enemy is under our feet, not by our side, not whispering in our ear, not attacking us, but under our feet. Let's go to one of my favorite scriptures about God, the church, and conquering. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, an unbelievable verse. Everyone say, I was created to conquer. Say this, say, I'm redeemed to be more than a conqueror. Can I tell you right now, you may have been defeated, 
Maybe your family's been defeated. Maybe you have some type of curse that's gone from generation to generation in your life. That was never God's will. That was never God's will. God's will in creation is that we conquer, but God's will in redemption. God doesn't just want you to be a conqueror, but a super conqueror. He wants you to have a Nike logo right on your heart and mind. I am more than a conqueror. Are you with me? Now look at this. This is Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin to read verses 18 and 19. Jesus is speaking. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. We're not building the church. We're partnering with Christ who is building the church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, and I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Get this. And whenever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. It's not just saying pastors and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I want to begin to talk to you about some key words, all right? Everyone say, I am more than a conqueror. I love this. Number one, Jesus is building his church, and the Bible says the very gates of Hades will not prevail. No. In the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the Bible, when you begin to think about gates, it is authority. Now, I want you to think, listen to this. Gates is like a door in your house or your apartment or your condo. Doors do not have the ability to go out and do offensive maneuvers. They cannot go out and catch a burglar or a criminal who would try to break into your house. What do doors do? They keep the enemy from coming in and they keep whatever's inside from going out. Are you with me? So all the authority that hell has is a gate and the gate is shut. But he said that he has given us keys to those gates. And what does a key do? It opens. And can I say the church's role was never meant to hide in a building during COVID. Oh, Lord, we are afraid. No, no, no. We're going to go into the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what he stole from me. Take back what he stole from me. Come on. No, no, no. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back. The only authority hell has is a defense mechanism against itself. But we have keys to restrict or to allow. Can you hear what I'm saying? How many people you know in your life that the devil has in prison? Do you know you have the key? That you have a card in your heart, in your mind, in your wheelhouse, if you will? Come on, get out of jail. Do not go through go. Collect your $200. I just released you from hell. Come on. You know how we conquer the devil? I think we need to begin to change this idea of church on Sunday, church online, groups and team. I didn't go to prom alone. I didn't like going to the movies alone. And I'm not going to heaven alone. I am going to go into hell itself. And I'm going to rescue people. And I am going to empty hell and populate heaven. Come on. I don't know about you. But I personally think there are lines of people that are behind City Church California waiting for us to storm the gates of hell right now. 
funny, years ago, I don't know if it was John, it was not Jude, because Jude came out of the womb as a genius, even at the age of two. He's like, no, that's wrong, Daddy. You're going the wrong direction. He's like, you're two, be quiet. <laughs> but Jake and John, I think it was probably Jake, and I asked him one day when we were youth pastors up north, I said, who has the most authority in the church? And I thought he was going to say Pastor Wendell. He said, Daddy, he named a custodian. He said, Mr. Richard has the most authority. I said, why does Richard have the most authority? He's a custodian. He said, Daddy, because he has all the keys. Can I say right now, you know what a key does? It opens, that means you allow. Why don't you allow God's power in your life and restrict or shut the door on the enemy's lie and deception in your life? Don't make me sing another oldie but goodie. <laughs> shut the door, keep out the devil. Gonna shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Gonna shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Come on. I never forget a young person years ago had a conversation. Pastor Jude, the devil's after me. I go, no, he is not. He cannot be after you and Billy Graham and Rick Warren at the same time. It is a low-grade demon. Shut the door, lock the door, and welcome God into your life. Come on. Are you with me? Doors are not offensive. They're defensive. Now, get this. It says, in the gates of hell. Gates, again, represent authority. You know how I think it's the message paraphrase or one of the modern paraphrases says this. The Senate the Congress and the executive branch of hell can never ever offensively move against the church. They could only, come on, hide behind those doors and pretend they still have power. They have no power. They have no authority. It's been given to us. Come on. Are you with me? Somebody needs to go back to the enemy's camp. If you didn't like 2020, then go into the enemy's camp and get back what is yours. Some of you need a little bit of country music theology. You need to get your dog back, your wife back, your money back, and your truck back. Come on. Don't say God took my job. No, God is not a thief. The devil steals. The devil kills. The devil destroys. Lock the door on the enemy. Now get this. It says whatever you bind on earth, that means restrict, will be restricted in the heavens, whatever you loose. That means allow will be loosened in heaven. Get this. Now, a key thing with the Hebrew people, a high priest or a priest in the Old Testament or early, even the time of Christ, what did God say? Bind these words on your mind that they would remind you that you have complete victory. Come on, I want to begin to bind the very word of God on my mind and my heart in my life. Can you say Amen. Let's go to a couple more scriptures, and we're going to begin to end. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 22 and 23. I love that. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut. You know what we do? We go to shut. Hey, you know what Ephesians says? Do not give the devil a foothold. You know what that means? We're going to shut the door. And he put his foot in there. And so you can't fully shut it 
and you can't lock it. Some of us are experiencing repeated cycles of defeat where we live, oh, I need forgiveness, I need forgiveness. Thank God the cross forgives you. But God never died for me to live in a cycle of defeat, constantly getting forgiveness. He died for me to have power over the enemy in every situation in my life. And you know what's happening? I, I let the devil put a foothold right there. You know what that word foothold is? I give him a part-time job with some benefits, pay, and some medical leave. Can I say right now, fire the devil. Fire him in your life. Get crushed his foot if you have to. Come on. Can I say, God, we conquer through the cross, but we conquer through the church. It is Christ and his church. I want to say it another way. It is Christ and his bride. If you really want to see Jude and Becky at our best, watch us be on the same baseball team. We will pulverize you. Come on. We were doing a youth retreat years ago, 31 years ago. Jude was a baby. And it was in New England. He said, Pastor Jude, can you and Becky play? The youth pastor and his wife was on one team. We were on the other. We so demoralized him, he got a root of bitterness through the whole retreat. <laughs> and they didn't know Becky was the first girl in Louisiana to play hardball, little league baseball. I was laughing the other day. He said, hey, I think it was a boy saying, Dad, why don't you have a race with Mom? I said, no, she'll win. And I hate losing. Come on. <laughs> Do you think God wants a bride that's going to be defeated? No, he wants a WWF bride where he say, here, Tad, go beat him up for a while. Come on. Are you with me? Everyone say, I have complete victory over the enemy. I am not fighting to get victory. I'm fighting from victory. Jesus Christ has completely defeated the devil. I need to shut the door. I need to lock it. I need to open the door to God. You know, the greatest way you could open the door to God, don't just come to church, get on a team. Get in a group. If you don't have power to shut that door, then go get a friend. To, oh my gosh, if you think an uh, enemy is going to come into my house and Becky's right there and I'm going, oh, it's too strong, it's too strong. No, you know, she's going to sh shut it for me. The Bible says, get this, before you go into a strong man's house, bind the strong man. So before you go into hell, don't go in there and say, devil, I'm here. You better go in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ knowing he's already bound. I'm not the strong man. Jesus is the strong man. Okay, I've got to read this scripture. My gosh, my gosh. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Everyone say, I am more than a conqueror. Listen to this. And he put all things under his feet. Not a few things, all things. Poverty, sickness, confusion, stupidity. Under his feet. And he gave him to be head over all things to who? To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he gave us that authority. Go to another one. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Please get Ephesians chapter 3. And I love this verse. It says here, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, that means God's multivaried colored wisdom, of the cross of God becoming a man. And remember, please get this. I need to remind you. Jesus, the man, defeated Satan. And it had to be that way. 
Because God created human beings to conquer. They became defeated. We became defeated because we sinned and disobeyed. Jesus is the only human being that lived in complete obedience. Therefore, he's the only human being that completely defeated the devil. And that's why Satan even now is an antichrist. He hates Christ, the man that defeated him. And you say, well, why would God choose a human being to defeat a fallen angel? I'll tell you why. Because of his sin. His sin is pride. So you know what God did? He says, I'm going to punish you so bad. I'm going to create something lesser than you. And the lesser will defeat the greater. But we allow the greater to defeat us only because we disobeyed. But Christ would come and he would defeat him as a man. Please get this. I have a scripture for someone. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He may be greater. He may be stronger. But my God is greater in Jesus the man won and I'm in him and he is in me. I'm a conqueror. Come on. Are you with me? Now get this. It says to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. How? Who's making it known? The church to who? Principalities and powers in the heavenly places. I want to read this from the passion. It says the purpose is to unveil to every throne or before every throne and rank of angels, the good or the bad, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, the full decisive act that he won. Can you say amen? We are conquerors. Let's go to one more scripture. You don't mind? Go to Romans 16, 20. Romans 16, 20. I still got that song stuck in my head. Went to the enemy's camp. Took back. Come on, somebody needs to take something back today. Take your marriage back. Take your money back. Take your health back. Take your mind back. Come on, take your heart back. Jesus, you have won me. Can I just say this? Any area, please get this. One of my favorite songs. I wanted Stephen and them to sing it today. Maybe they'll sing it next week. And it is Jesus, you won me. I was working out at 24-hour fitness. They have the big tent. And I was doing bench press. And, and I'm listening to this over and over and over again. Jesus, you have won me. Through grace and mercy, you have broken every chain. And you know what? As I'm bench pressing, I'm saying, Jesus, you have won me. Jesus, you have won me. Jesus, you have won me. He said, any area that you're defeated, I haven't won that area of your life. I went over the devil when Christ wins over me. Did you get that? Now, let's go to this last scripture. It's Romans 16, 20. Romans 16, 20. We do not have to live defeated lives. We only do when we allow the enemy in. Look at Romans 16, 20. It says, for your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. Paul is writing this. But I want you to be, get this, wise in what is good. I'm going to say that two more times. Wise in what is good. This is a great youth ministry scripture, Vlad. Wise in what is good. Then get this, and simple concerning evil. I like the old King James. It says, innocent concerning evil. So you're wise in what is good, or another way to say it, you're the man, you're the woman, you're mature when it comes to good things like church, the Bible, God, worship, but you're like a child or innocent when it becomes to evil things. Now get this, and the God of peace will crush Satan shortly underneath your feet. Did you get that? And the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Well, why isn't God, who's a God of peace, not turmoil, crushing Satan under my feet? Because a lot of times we get it opposite. 
We want to be mature. We want to be wise when it comes to evil. And we want to become like a baby when it comes to good. I'll prove my point. If you're a parent in here and I've raised teenagers, if you have a child from 10 to, I say, about 18 to 20, it was interesting as a youth pastor, and I'm going to have the band to come up so you'll know I'm ending. <clears throat> the kid, the young man, the young woman, and again, they could have been 13. They could have been in a school like City Christian, middle school, high school. They'd come into church and be like this. And their parents would let them sit that way. And I heard the response of the young person to the parent. Sit up. It's boring. It's boring. But yet if they went to a friend's house, it was amazing how they became the man or the woman when watching something inappropriate on Netflix. And they thought that was being the man or the woman. As a youth pastor for years, young people would say, hey, are you coming to camp? No, it's boring. It's always the same. I go, no, we had a different speaker last year. We had different worship leaders last year. I said, no, it's not boring. You're boring because you're always the same. And I said, the problem, the devil is defeating you. And the God of peace has not shortly crushed him under your feet. Because you have the perspective that church is boring. And that the world and culture is mature and beautiful. And it is not. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath my feet. And that was a song in the 90s. Now, I want to take you here. I want to take you to Revelation chapter 12. Go to verse 10. Revelation 12, verse 10. And we're going to begin to quote this in a moment. I want to begin to tell you the beginning of this chapter. One of the greatest chapters in that entire book. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Word of God. It says in verse 1, I saw a woman clothed with the sun. She is a type of church. If you're new to church and you're looking for a perfect church, if you find a perfect church, please never join it. You will mess it up. <clears throat> We're not perfect. We're human beings and we have some areas of victory, but we have some areas of defeat. But can I tell you right now, through Jesus Christ, when God sees his bride, he sees a woman clothed with the sun, speaking of his brilliance, his holiness, his righteousness. Get this, and the moon is underneath her feet. And over her head are 12 stars, 12 in the Bible, 12 tribes, 12 apostles, 12 gates, speaks of authority to the covenant community of God Almighty. And she is pregnant with a child and gives birth to a man child some say that is a church in the end of time and it says there was another sign this is revelation 12 there was a fiery red dragon and he had get this seven horns and he had no i take that back he had seven horns ten something seven and ten meaning perfect evil Ten meaning he would rule try to rule over culture the ten parts of all of culture throughout time then it says the war broke out in heaven. 
And Michael and his angels fought with the devil and his angels. Get this, and he had no strength. He was not even strong enough to fight against Michael and his angels, so there was no more place for him in heaven. And can I tell you, when the enemy really gets mad, and when he has no more place in your life, and no more place in my life, and no more place in our church, and no more place in our marriage, and no more place in our nation, come on. And he says he was cast to the earth, And he said he became angry. Why? Because he knows his time is short. Please hear me. The shorter the time, the greater the anger. And what we are witnessing in our day-to-day is the wrath of Satan. But we do not have to tolerate it. Because guess what verse 10 says? And they overcome him. This is your verse. How? By the blood of the Lamb. What is that? The cross that forgives and that conquers. And the word of their testimony. What are you saying about your life? Personally, I'm not saying I'm defeated. I'm saying I'm more than a conqueror. I'm saying Jesus Christ made me the head and not the tail. I am saying I'm going to go over and I'm not going to go under. I'm going to say if God is for me, then no one can be against me. I'm going to say greater is he, come on, that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm going to begin to say if God brought Jude and Becky together, God's going to keep Jude and Becky together. Come on. And they love not their lives unto death. The paradox of the great kingdom of God. Surrender your life you find your life. Lose your life, you get your life. And we just surrender to Jesus Christ. Then it ends and it says, in the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And we, everyone say we. We. Say it again. We. We shall reign on this earth. Will you stand up with me? Can you believe I am 61? Look at me, watch me. I think when it comes to be, I didn't choose to be a pastor. At times, if you would ever go on my Facebook, I, I don't know half the people who wish me happy birthday. Maybe even 80% of them. Some said, we love you, Pastor Jude. Others that I went to high school with who I know go, pastor, what is that about? can't believe he's a pastor. I never chose that. And I think sometimes if I could take you behind the scene, people think who are pastors or church or Christians or believers that they live a completely perfect life. My life is not perfect, but the one who lives in me lived a perfect life. Amen? And I want to ask you this. What is it if you believe that your life is defeated? Then we go against God's creation for us, but most of all, please hear me, his redemption. Jesus Christ died to make me a conqueror. That's why the church, we worship, but I wanna conquer. You say, what does that word conquer mean? I wanna conquer in my mind. I wanna conquer in my emotions. I wanna conquer in every part of my life. Are you with me? I wanna be a winner. And I don't know about you, but when my boys hear me, and I'm ending, sorry for going a little bit long, but it's my birthday. I'm the birthday boy. I do what I want. Right when the boys were starting T-ball. Remember T-ball? It's still out. 
probably about Ford's age. They had a new philosophy in the Northwest and probably California. There were no winners or losers. Everybody won. Well, John was only about five years old. Guess what? He was keeping score. They gave the winning team and the other winning team a little Capri juice thing and some sliced oranges. John threw his to the ground. Go, Jonathan. He goes, Dad, we won by 11 points. Even Bill Gates years ago in his book said that philosophy is wrong because in life there are winners and there's losers. There's givers and there's takers. And I can't tell you in and of myself, I was a winner. But Jesus Christ died to take a loser and make him more than a conqueror. And I know that in reality, in Jesus' name. Come on. You say, it's not by clawing your way to the top. It's not like two women the day after Thanksgiving sale fighting over a pair of Tory Burch sandals. It's simply by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Will you surrender your life to the Lord? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and that he is the Lord. And you say that with your mouth, you will be saved. You will be saved not only from sin, but from defeat. I want to ask this question today. How many of you would say, I believe in God but I want to give my entire life to God. Maybe you've done it and you haven't been living that way or maybe you have never done it. Today is your day. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you wherever you are. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Over there. Two, can you clap? Can you stomp? Anyone else? Just raise your hand. You say, when did you start getting victory? When I did the very same thing. I was 20 years old. The night before, I was inebriated. We go to, of all churches, a Pentecostal church, for goodness sakes, where they were crazy about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I raise my hand and the rest is history. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. God, I know now that you have forgiven me, but you died that I can have victory. And my victory is in Jesus Christ. And I am saved. I am saved from sin, I'm saved from myself, and I'm now made to be a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to hold your hands out like this. I wanna pray for us. Father, you never created us or redeemed us to be defeated. God, we are not defeated. Lord, you said no devil, no angel, not sickness, not health, not poverty or prosperity. Nothing in this life or the life to come can ever separate us from the very love of God. Our God is not condemning us. We are more than conquerors. I want you to begin to get that. Come on. You are not defeated. You are not going under. You are not going to do it. Some of you are saying, I can't take it anymore. You don't have to. Jesus took it all on a cross that you could win every day, every moment of your life. We are called to be winners and conquerors in Jesus' name. Amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.